being opportunistic, being prepared, a little bit of luck too. Welcome back to this week's episode of Be Boulder. This week, I'm lucky enough to be joined by the original, the OGs, if you will, of Tiny Gang, Danielle Blount, who you've heard from before, and one of my favorite humans in the history of time, Alex Killian. Uh, We have a nice little conversation about the good, the bad, and the ugly of getting into venture capital. So if this is something you're kind of thinking about doing, be it venture, PE, investment banking, investments, and finance generally... I think this is definitely something you should check out because yes, you know, the world tells us there's a super sexy side, but there's uh, just like anything, everything has its uh, not so wonderful parts to it. So I'm excited for you to listen in to what Alex and Danielle have to say. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. this week's episode of Be Boulder. This week, I am joined by Tiny Gang, which is Danielle Blount, who you've heard from before, and then one of my other favorite humans, Alex Killian. Alex and Danielle, say hi. Let everyone know you're out there. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super excited to have you both. So you know my background, you know Danielle's, but I'm going to quickly give you a little bit of background on Alex and then will sort of talk about his his own adventure and venture and what he's up to today and lessons learned and advice he might have for people who are thinking about getting into that space. And so Alex currently serves as a corporate development associate for Founders Holding Co., where he manages deal flow and investments into niche software companies and hard asset operating businesses in the transportation and logistics spaces. Previously, Alex was an investment associate at Launch New York uh, and with the Launch New York Seed Funds. There, he worked directly with myself and Danielle, and he supported due diligence, investments, portfolio management. What he's not saying there is he like really did everything, I'm, and the whole team did all this work, and they were fabulous. But anyway, I'm going to stay on, on track here. And while working at Launch, Alex helped the Launch New York Seed Fund become one of the most active seed funds in New York and one of the most active in the country. Uh, he was instrumental in fundraising efforts for the first uh, Launch New York for-profit seed fund, as well as the Investor Network and Opportunity Zone investment strategy over there. And then... Prior to that, he also spent time working in Toronto, first for Fungate Asset Management, an alternative asset fund focused on real estate, and then for a family office supporting investment across real estate, small and medium operating companies, and venture businesses. So Alex is a um, graduate, uh, both with his bachelor's and MBA from the University at Buffalo, and he is a diehard Buffalo Bills fan and loves Grand Island. So, Alex, thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. It's always weird hearing your bio. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Alex, tell us a little bit about your background prior to all of this working stuff. Tell us where you grew up, what you like to do, a little bit about your personal life. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, yeah. as you mentioned, uh, a part of that Grand Island crew, you always get sucked back into uh, Grand Island if you never actually leave. 
Um, but from the Western New York area and, and went, uh, went to Grand Island High School, um, actually spent a, a semester in Florida and was uh, a bit too homesick. So I came back uh, to finish my college career at UB, um, where I, and we graduated together um, from the MBA program, which was awesome and uh, had a lot of good experiences there and, and kind of knew from that point going into kind of those final years, I wanted to be in investments and kind of bopped my way around uh, from real estate to uh, more traditional operating businesses and then kind of found my way into, uh, into venture. Um, you know, personally, I, I'm married to a, a beautiful woman who is my best friend, uh, Danielle, a little shout out. And we have a Not me, amazing dog, Cabela. Yeah, yeah quite Danielle. confusing, quite, quite confusing <laughs> when, when we all work together. Um, it's really hard to describe your wife without saying my Danielle and feeling like you're being a bit of an asshole and being possessive. And that's not what I'm trying to do. There's just no good way to clarify names. We show up to a work <laughs> meeting and they're like, oh yeah, like my wife, Danielle. And then they look at me and no, it's not me. No, I'm no, I'm no <laughs> I would be so lucky. I'd be so lucky. No, but yeah, it, it was always, always a uh, fun times making those introductions. So, you know, I'm always just curious about this. You've been in real estate, you've been in operating businesses, you've had some time in venture. Which of those did you like best so far and why? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, they all have their own flavor, if you will. I think um, what's interesting, and, and I'm, I'm going to make these comments somebody who's still uh, very junior and, and there might be others out here would be like, no, this guy's a freaking idiot. Um, doesn't know what he's talking about, but you know, the, the real estate side uh, got to the point where it was very, I don't want to say repetitive, but there's only so many ways you can slice and dice a real estate project. And it's, it's probably a function of what I was working on more so than an actual commentary on the industry. Um, and you, you kind of find similar, um, similarities between real estate and operating businesses as well um, in that, you know, everything kind of boils down to understanding cash flows. Um, you know, what are you investing? What are the cash flows you're getting out of it? Um, I, I do think when I took the jump into venture with Launch New York and uh, was lucky enough to have some connections and started working with, with the two of you on a trial basis, and then I must have done something right because you brought me on full time, it, it really gives you that flavor of really diving into so many different types of operating businesses, different types of industries, um, you know, different technologies. I think I'd have to say for, for myself, I, I find if I am too focused on one thing for too long, I, I start to lose interest. Um, and that's, what's great about venture is, uh, you know, one day you might be looking at a clean tech company that is, uh, converting algae into biofuels. And then the next day you're looking at a, you know, consumer good product that is uh, creating chocolates out of chickpeas. All right. So it's, it's, uh, it's different every day and it, it keeps you on your toes. Um, and so I, I would have to go with the venture piece though. So I, I try and stay active and kind of everything just because it's uh, a little bit of diversification is never a bad thing. No, not at all. So one of the things that people ask a lot, I'm sure of you is really, how did you get into venture? So can you talk a little bit about that? Because yes, it's sort of knowing people, but it's also creating opportunities. So tell us your tale and how did you do it? And how, what would you recommend to other people to get into the space too? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 interesting because it seems to be like there's two paths that you find over and over again when you meet other people in the space. Um, I took the more finance approach, so you know I was lucky enough to be able to go work up in Toronto. Uh, you know, part of that was from from family connections that I was able to get up there because it's you know, never easy to uh, work cross border. Um, but that's where I was really able to cut my teeth. Uh, like I mentioned, as a private equity firm, so we were you know, doing um, deal flow on behalf of limited partners. We had you know multiple funds, and um, you know that was it was a lot of work. There was a lot of long nights, and uh, um, you know you, you really just had your head buried in models for most of the time. Um, when I came back, I actually was able to that kind of period, and I still do some work with that family office. Was a wealthy individual that I got to know while I was working up there. And uh, we started looking at smaller operating businesses, you know, stuff you might refer to or hear uh, mom and pop type operating businesses, less than $5 million in revenue. Um, but we worked on this really cool project that was uh, going to be a consumer package good. It was taking this really weird berry that probably most people have never heard of called a Hazcap <laughs> berry. And we were trying to turn it into a consumer product. Um, and this is really a startup. It was a company that had been seeded with a few million dollars of capital and was a, a pie business. And we were trying to take it mainstream. And so that was my first real experience, uh, kind of understanding the difference of taking something from zero to one, as Peter Thiel always says, or uh, you know something that's already established, which is what I was doing prior. Um, that's what led me um, actually through, again, another connection. I think uh, there's a lot of luck in life, but to be lucky, you have to be ready um, to, to, you know, uh, embrace those opportunities. You have to be prepared. You know, there's, there's things you have to do, lay the groundwork, but at the end of the day, um, you know, chance interactions, chance connections are the things that open doors. Um, and I was introduced to Launch New York and, and so, you know, started helping doing diligence um, on some of the seed fund investments. And then there was a need as the uh, nonprofit and subsequently the for-profit seed funds at Launch New York were raised. They, you know, I was able to come on full time. Um, just to wrap up the where I started though, is I think the other path that you see in venture um, is those who were operators first. Uh, mm -hmm. Oftentimes you'll see, you know, they, they did, had their own startup or they were part of an early uh, team that, that was, you know, um, at the beginning and they, they followed it through to an exit or maybe it failed, but they, they, you know, really cut their teeth as an operator and then jumped into, uh, the venture game that way. I wouldn't say there's necessarily a right or a wrong way. Uh, I will say that there is some level of, you always have at least myself and, and others may feel this way, but there's a little bit of imposter syndrome when you came from the financial side, just because you never, uh, were directly in that role and experienced the challenges, the loneliness, the struggles that come with raising capital, starting your own company. And so I try and augment that a little bit on, on the side with some of the things I do and starting little entrepreneurial uh, endeavors. But um, it's, it's interesting to see that the multiple paths that you can take towards, towards venture. Yeah. So that's, so that's interesting. The, the feeling that maybe you thought you had some sort of imposter syndrome, because I think the folks who are maybe coming at it from the startup side they have it too because they don't know everything about finance themselves right so a lot of times Absolutely. you see yeah. the flip of it 
Uh, so venture tends to be a world that we see a lot of that type of mindset in. And then it tends to be pretty hard on folks too, particularly when you're fundraising and you're trying to get these businesses invested in and all of those things. And everybody and their brother wants your time and they want uh, your money <laughs> and your help. And so talk to us a little bit about that, because I do know, you know, you were instrumental in helping to raise uh, the funds at, at Launch New York, but that's a, that's a hard road to haul. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience doing that and what you felt as you were going through it, both the good and the bad? Yeah, absolutely. It's that that is probably the the best example of a of a shared shared uh, experience that you know every single entrepreneur is going to face at some point, especially if they're going to take a, a venture approach to scaling. Um, so you you get that um, constant, I'll say it, no. <laughs> there's the quick <laughs> there's the quick feedback of of you know uh, for whatever reason someone's not interested in investing in your fund and. Um, no, that that's tough. It's 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 very much a bit of a marathon, and and you know, Lindsay, you've done this yourself uh, numerous times. You know, within your prior experience in, in venture, um, the the fundraising process is oftentimes measured in in months, if not years, not days, and um, you you have a hundred meetings for every one yes that you get. Maybe those numbers are are off, but um, you're you're very much just putting yourself out there and, and, and oftentimes, especially for new funds, trying to convince people to trust you with their money um, without really having a ton of, you know, results to show for it. I, you can't go and say, look at, I've returned 30% year over year with these five funds that I've done in the past. It's, hey, here's some examples of returns that we're going to get. And, uh, you know, the, the Launch New York piece was a little bit different just because they had the, uh, social aspect, right? It was trying to do better for the, the Western New York and upstate community. There was a little bit of uh, philanthropic investing, if you will. So you, you kind of played up those areas as well. Um, but it's also, you know, really rewarding when, when you get somebody to invest um, and, you know, you get them excited about the companies that you're looking at, that you're funding, that you've already funded. It's contagious and it keeps you going. Um, and then on the flip side, right, you, you, when you when you have money, um, especially in the space that we played in Launch New York, uh, every single company that we worked with, even the most well-capitalized, need, needed more money. So you were trying to manage, um, making sure you're doing everything you can to to make sure that they they're successful and and you're supporting them and you know it's a little bit selfish because you want to have a good exit from the company and make returns and you also have to be cognizant not to just throw money at a lost cause because it's you know the, you you have a fiduciary responsibility to those investors that you uh, that are trusting you with with their capital and you need to make sure you give them a return and i yeah. think um, Alex, like one of the things you brought up, I think that you get a shared experience with startups. So you understand that long road. And sometimes it's a really, really long road to know because everyone wants to mm -hmm. keep saying, oh, maybe I'll invest in your startup. Maybe I'll invest in your fund. And you're like, oh, dear God, can you just tell me no? <laughs> like, if you're not going to do it. And like, everyone's like, no, because you're going to keep buying me dinner or coffee. So of course, we're going to keep going out. But I think it's at the end of it, you do like there's camaraderie, I think, amongst when you've raised a fund and then talking to founders who are raising rounds because you you understand the good and the bad of it. 
Absolutely. No, I mean, that's, that's a great point. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, venture remains one of the more, uh, I would say, exciting investment spaces that you can be in, both from a, a fundraising perspective as well as investing in the startups. I mean, there's no other type of asset class that you can have as much of an impact, I would say, on, on the success at the, the multiples. So, you know, obviously you, there's a lot that you can do when you're investing in operating businesses or you're investing in real estate to, to you know, push an outcome, uh, you know, try and get superior returns and things of that nature. But things happen uh, in almost dog years when it comes to startups. Uh, you know, it may take you 10 or 15 years in a real estate investment to double your money or, or, or increase the value because of, uh, you know, inflation and revenue or compression of cap rates. Whereas in, in the startup world, you can have a company that was doing zero dollars in revenue in one year and the next year they're doing 20 million dollars in revenue. Um, I mean, that is I always joke about the rocket ships. I mean, you are venture is like riding a rocket ship rocket ship and understanding that, you know, two out of those 10 investments you make are going to be successful and, and you're going to, you know, have a happy ending. The rest are going to be failures and just managing those highs and lows and trying to help navigate with the, with the companies, with your investors to, you know, come to a mutually beneficial outcome at the end of your, your fun life, at the end of the, the startups uh, life. It's, it's a wild ride for sure. And I think Alex, you just hit on something that I, I think we could probably dive in a little bit more on is sort of sometimes the less sexy side to venture. Everyone sees, you know, Oh, I'm in, I'm in venture capital. Like that eats, this is probably this rock star life. But like, like you said, some companies are going to fail and you've got to coach and mentor and support these companies through sort of winding down it or coming to that realization. Um, and Lindsay, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts too on that too as well. Oh, sure. That's but I'm right. curious about Alex's opinion for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's there is there's a lot there's a lot of non sexiness to it from that perspective and and another one I'll share in a second but let me answer that question first. So the the challenge working with these companies is you start to feel as if they're family, right? You're mm-hmm. you're so invested in them both figuratively and literally. It's really hard to have those tough conversations with founders, right? It's, it's hard to say there's no more money. We can't, we can't keep throwing cash at this problem. Um, or even worse, you know, I think it's time to close up shop, right? What, whatever it was, whether it was the product market fit or just a timing issue, right? Like it, it didn't work. And so not only having those kind of, uh, more binary dis- discussions, it's also the, along the way, like, just being there for them when they're going through a tough time. You know, it's, it's uh, nothing ever goes to plan in the startup world. Things always take longer than expected. They cost more money than it's anticipated. Um, it's lonely. You're oftentimes sacrificing your, you know, the ability to make, uh, I don't want to say livable wages, but there's situations where, you know, founders aren't taking any money for the first few years as they're trying to grow this thing. They're just plowing it all back into their business. It's it's really difficult, and it's difficult when someone's coming to you for answers and you might not have answers, or maybe there isn't an answer, right? 
Um, so it's just trying to be uh, supportive, trying to think outside of the box, trying to um, help them see things that maybe they can't see because they're too close to the problem or too close to the company. And I would say the, the other, call it non, non-sexy thing from, from an, you know, an investor's perspective is uh, there is a little bit of, I don't want to say FOMO necessarily, but you, you, know, you see your startup companies doing really well and there's times where it's like, you know, I, I want to be part of that thing that they're doing, but you can't. You know, your job is to make sound investments and support the startups that are in your portfolio. So there's always that, you know, portfolio management, checking in, looking at financials. Like it's not just like, hey, this is a really cool company that's investing in Bitcoin. I'm just going to put, you know, a million dollars in and four years down the road, I'm going to be standing next to the founder ringing the bell at the New York Stock Exchange. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot that goes in between that and more often than not uh, you don't get to that outcome and and that's taxing in and of itself as well oh yeah there's lots of pieces and parts to venture that i think everyone goes oh this is so sexy because i mean it's sexified on tv it's sexified in you know uh social media and then there's a lot of messy and stressful bits that come into play in venture capital because to your point, right, you're watching these companies and they're trying to do the best that they can do. And they're under a ton of pressure and they're coming to you for guidance and advice and a lot of times money and help. And sometimes you got to look them in the face and be like, I don't know what to tell you or no, you can't have money or I think it's time to shut down your company. And that's like telling someone to kill their baby. You know, that is not a great place to be. And no one feels super awesome at the end of the day when you go home and have to say that. But you have to because you're doing the best thing that you can for your investors and the rest of the portfolio. So you can allocate that time elsewhere if the company that you're talking to isn't going somewhere. But man, is that taxing and hard. (laughs) And and Lindsay, I think, you know, you you know this probably better than anyone just because this is your, your type of personality as you are. I think a problem solver by nature and, and that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough role to play, especially in this business, because it just means that more people are going to come to you with their problems. And I, I know from just anecdotally stories that you've had, you know, I've had a few, but not nearly as many where, you know, a founder calls you at, uh, in an evening on the weekend, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night on a Friday. And oftentimes they don't really have anywhere else to go. Um, mm-hmm you know, their, their, their family members, their, their partners, their, their friends don't, they understand what they're doing, but they don't really know. Um, and, and they can't really share all of that with, with those people. And so the the next best place that they can go to is their, you know, their investor, their primary, uh, supporter from a funding perspective. And, and I think that sets apart different firms, from you know the the availability and and that uh, playing a partner type role with your founders in your portfolio is important, but that's taxing in and of itself. And I mean, I know you've had crazy scenarios of that happen throughout your career. Yeah, and and it's hard to not take that home with you then, as the investor. I know right. people don't think about this part of it, right? They just think, oh, you invest money, you make a lot of money, maybe that seems sexy, it seems cool, but there's a real uh, hard side to venture, you know, where to your point, you know, you have founders, grown men, you know, grown women who call you sobbing into the phone at 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday. 
because they don't know how they're going to make payroll that next week. They don't know how they're going to, you know, put their kids into school. They, and some of them are willing to do anything and everything, right? Some of them are willing to sacrifice it all. And then some of them are still calling in their, they're huffy and pissed and sad and whatever, but they're not willing to, you know, sell their car or they're not willing to do whatever. And so then you right. have to have really tough conversations and no matter what, in this scenario, you walk out feeling like shit. You hang up the phone feeling like shit because exactly. you're either not giving advice to someone that because you don't have it, you don't know what to say because they're sobbing in the phone, or you tell someone to man or woman up and sell their fucking car and they don't want to listen to you and you're like, well, I don't know how to help you. So in no scenario do you feel good there. And I think everybody forgets about this, that this is a right. very real piece of business and venture all the time. And that part sucks. And it takes a toll on you. You know, did you ever, uh, did you ever experience anything where you were internalizing this so significantly that you almost needed to take a time out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it is, it is, it is taxing and you, you start to absorb the, the problems yourself and try and understand and fix them. And, and, and there's a lot of things that you can't do. Um, and it just, it, it just is, you know, it, it overcomes you. That's all you're thinking about is okay. They, I, it becomes your problem and it's, it almost paralyzes you in trying to do the other things that you know you need to do as well as making kind of the, the clear decision, right? Cause a lot of the times those calls aren't just to vent they're because they know that you as the investor potentially have what in their minds is a problem, a solution to their problem. And it's very easily to say, I, I, I feel for this individual. I want to take away the stress and anxiety and the pain that they're feeling. Let's just give them some more money. And, and often the, the decision not to do that are some of the best financial decisions you make, but it flies exactly in the face of your, you know, your empathetic side, your emotional side. Um, and I would say the harder thing too, and, and, you know, I, I realize I could take us down a, a, a pretty big rabbit hole here, but all of those feelings are only amplified when you're working with underrepresented founders who are facing, you know, candidly bullshit above and beyond the, you know, the, the typical stereotypical white male founder that you see, right? There's, there's doors that are slammed in their face just because of the way they look or who they are. And it's like those problems come up and I, and it's, you know, what do you even say? Right. <laughs> like like it's, it's, you know, you're, you're now trying to, to change a whole industry, a whole mindset. And you know, you can't do that in that moment. Um, you can, you can, try and do it through the way that you invest in the way that you treat people. But, um, you know, that's, that's where it gets even harder. It's this strange balancing act when you're sitting in the investor seat. Cause like you said, Alex, like sometimes you're playing therapist and you're like, I, let me try and just understand and help and provide guidance. But at the same time, you know, other side of the same coin is I made a financial investment in you and I'm trying not to take the the human the human out of this and the human factor because so much of venture is about the human factor, but you're like I can't keep doing this anymore and I have to make a decision like on the business side, but I don't want to hurt this human who I've now grown so close to, and I think that's totally missed by so many people. Like this, you are sitting on a seesaw that you are trying to keep balanced, and it's literally impossible some days. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
So what we're saying is be kind to your investor friends and your entrepreneur friends. It's really what we're trying to say here <laughs> because everybody's <laughs> exactly. fighting some battles that we don't always see on the surface because I mean, look, we'll prom I mean, I'll promise you that, you know, there were, there were days, you know, Alex and Danielle, when we were all together. I mean, there were some hard conversations that had to be had and you just got to try to figure out how to like brush those off and keep moving through the rest of your day and help the, you know, I think, what did we have towards the end of all of our tenure, 70 companies in the portfolio or something mm -hmm. insane, right? It was just so many humans that you're trying to balance and manage every day. And, you know, you, you can't let a few bad conversations or tough moments get you down, but it's hard not to when, you know, one of the reasons that these people come to you for the advice or for help or for money or whatever is because they fundamentally trust you and you know that, and that just weighs so heavily on you. So Alex, any pieces of advice for um, budding VCs who are just getting into the into the space and maybe they're thinking, man, this isn't totally what I thought it was going to be, or they love it. What what do you what do you think about there? Give us some words of wisdom, if you will. Sure, sure. I'll I'll try and impart things, but take everything with a grain of salt because uh, uh, there's there's you know everyone's experience is obviously different, and uh, I can't say to be an expert, but the the, the couple things I would say, you know, as far as trying to break into venture, it is as much about, like I said, being opportunistic, being prepared, a little bit of luck too, um, especially someone who didn't come from a target school, um, who didn't take the role of, you know, an operator first or, you know, coming from one of the big consulting firms, right? There's, you know, just a couple pathways. Um Make sure you're out there networking. Make sure you're talking to people. Uh, do do the things that others maybe aren't willing to do, right? Like um, go to spend the money if you can um, to go to conferences or go and, you know, I've seen or heard stories of people doing diligence and scoping out investment opportunities for a fund that they don't work for, right? S send that in. It's, it's those types of things that, um, you know, make it possible to, to break into it. Um, I would also say, I don't, I don't know, Lindsay, you may have told me this at one point or someone brought this up. Venture is a weird thing because there's really nowhere next, right? You think of career progressions in a lot of different industries and paths forward you take. Once you kind of go into venture, it tends to be the last stop. Um, and that's not to say last stop in the sense that you have to do a whole bunch of things before it. But it's one of those weird skills where it doesn't really translate <laughs> to a lot of other things, right? Um, you, you can't really jump in and say, I'm going to go now be a CFO. And maybe you can because you're qualified for it. But it's, you know, the, the experiences you get in venture are, are so unique. From an actual, you know, day in the life perspective, I would say the biggest thing for me is, and they almost kind of the juxtaposition is one, you know, check your ego at the door. I, I can't tell you how many founders I've interacted with that I just am like, holy shit, this person is so much smarter than I am, right? <laughs> so like, you know, it, 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 it's it's a little bit of, you know, making sure you're not thinking you know all and, and you're, you know, you're the be all end all because you have the money. So I would say that's the first piece. The second piece, though, is having kind of the confidence to um, not only ask questions, but also provide your opinions, because I think early on for me, because I recognize that the people that I'm working with, uh, both my coworkers, but the people that we're investing in are, are so intelligent, you almost feel like you, you, you can't be super definitive in what you're saying for fear of being wrong. 
um, but you have to be in a, in a lot of a lot of senses. And if you don't know, ask the question. You know, most of the the people that I know who are the smartest people around me are never afraid to ask questions, and and the questions they ask are end up being more telling than anything else. So that's you know most of it. Otherwise, you know, enjoy it. You meet some awesome people. I I uh, some of my my best friends are who I met at my time at Launch New York, and uh, you know we still talk on a daily basis. And um, same can be true about founders. There's a bunch of founders that I still stay in touch with even after leaving the the firm to go do what I'm doing now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you meet great people. There's a lot of, a lot of down to earth people. There's a lot of assholes too, uh, but that's everything. <laughs> and yeah. Alex, I want to brag on your behalf a little bit. Cause I think you are, um, as usual, you don't talk about yourself too much, but I think one of the things that makes you so great at venture and why I loved like working with you and, what you really need to be successful in venture is like, you might, you're totally fine. Be like, I have no idea like what your technology is like doing on the science side of this, but you always understood and could spot the business model and help a founder really figure that out and work its way through, even in some really deep technology where I think a lot of people are like, I don't know how they're going to make money. And you could always sort of assess that from the investment side that is like really rare to find. So I just, I wanted to brag on your behalf for a second. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, I had, I had lots of, lots of good uh, teachers and mentors to include the two of you. Um, I will say, cause this is, this is, we'll go in a circle for four hours doing this between the three of us. It'll just continuously be <laughs> compliments and it'll never end. But um, you know, I was able to come into an organization and learn the ins and outs of venture at its core from probably one of the best, if not the best venture capitalists and lawyers on the East coast and Midwest and probably in the U S in my opinion. Um, and I was able to learn and work with Danielle, who is probably the most in tune to an ecosystem, um, that I've ever met, uh, you know, understanding the ins and outs and, um, really the, the kind of the yeoman's work when it comes to mentorship and supporting entrepreneurs and trying to really grow an ecosystem. So those two things made, uh, coming to work every day, uh, a ton of fun, even when there were you know, external things or other forces that were, uh, trying to, uh, ruin that or mess that up. <laughs> oh, you are too kind. You are, you are. And I'm going to cut this circle off at the pass because we're just going to keep going around and around and around. But at the end of the day, these two humans, plus a couple others that we got the opportunity to work with are uh, some of my favorite people. And I'm always excited to be able to share their views and opinions with uh, the rest of the world. Cause I think they're amazing and they're in my tiny gang and there's only one way out of our gang and that's in a box. And so, <laughs> <laughs> With that, now that we just scared the hell out of everyone. Um, no one's ever going to want to work with us again. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to be in their club, but then you have to die to get out. That's You have to weird. die. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> no. Uh, but obviously, I appreciate both of you uh, doing this here today, kind of walking through the, the good and the bad of venture and sort of helping people to understand a little bit more from the investor side. Hey, here's some things that we should... Uh, be thinking about and be cognizant of if this is a space we want to get into. So Danielle, Alex, thank you both for joining here today. And uh, I appreciate you. And I look forward to continuing to 
work with you and having a gang with you. Same, same. same. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks again for listening today. Don't forget to join us on Patreon to support Boulder Inc., a nonprofit providing mental health, physical health, spiritual health, and financial health resources to entrepreneurs, founders, and teams to help them function at their best to produce their very best. And of course, through Patreon, you get extra access to bonus episodes, merch, who doesn't love that, and more. If you're not already, subscribe and leave us a rating to keep growing the Be Boulder audience. You can find me on Instagram at BeBoulderCast and at Legally underscore Lens. And of course, check us out at TheBoulderLife.com.